Hello again and welcome to Considerable Thought. I am one of your hosts, Jaron Brandt, the student minister at Care Church, and I'm alongside my friend, the organic thesaurus, Drew Gaylor. <laughs> Drew, how's it going? Uh, I like that nickname. I have never been called that before. Well, what we, we talk about in the office a lot is that um, you say maybe half of your job is wordsmithing. Is that true? Oh, a lot of it is. And, and, and words are very important. And I spend a lot of time thinking through the right words in different situations. So I actually appreciate being called the organic thesaurus. Yeah, I thought there was the first word that I was having trouble coming up with. I knew I knew I wanted to use thesaurus this week, but I didn't know if I wanted to do organic. If I said carbon based, isn't all like isn't an actual thesaurus carbon based? Oh, we all are carbon right. Based. Yeah, so yeah. I had to I had to go a little bit more specific. You would be correct. Yeah, <laughs> either way is correct. Yeah. Anyway, well, this is episode three of Considerable Thought. Um, in our Loving Others series, the, the title of today's episode is Think Small, and we're actually going to get to that here in a little bit. Thank you so much to all of our listeners. Uh, if this is your first time listening, uh, we're glad that you're here. Um, and if you're a long-time listener, and when I, when I say long-time, I mean episodes one Weeks. and, one and Weeks two. Long. Yeah, exactly. Uh, thanks for being here. We are hosted by the Anchor Podcasting Service, which is a really great service. And actually, there's really big news in the podcasting realm just within the last day or so, um, the big company Spotify has just acquired, just purchased Anchor, which in the business, Drew, we like to call that a power move. Uh, sure. Let's, let's call it a power move. I actually read an article on this after the news broke, and I don't know how much they spent on Anchor, but Spotify also purchased Gimlet Media, which is a media company that produces a lot of popular podcasts. Oh, I like, like Homecoming was a popular podcast that Amazon actually turned into a TV show. Uh, and so that podcast was produced by Gimlet Media, but they actually purchased this media uh, company for $230 million, which oh in the digital content world is just insane amount of money. And so for the business buffs out there, that's that's big news for you. I haven't even heard of Homecoming before. Like it sounds vaguely familiar from an Amazon show. Is that what you said? Yes. They turned it into, or it inspired an Amazon show which Julia Roberts starred in. Oh, okay. Have you seen it? Listen to it? I've seen the, the first episode and it looks intriguing, but I haven't watched any more and I haven't listened to the podcast. Well, the reason I wanted to point this out uh, at the beginning of this episode is because uh, a few weeks ago, before we ever even came out with the trailer of this podcast, I had mentioned to you, Drew, and to some other people in the office that I'd found this tool called Anchor uh, that I was really excited about, made things really, really simple. And I said, you you remember this, I said... I will be surprised if this is not purchased by a big company very soon if they want to get into the business. And so that, that's correct. So yeah. we are what what I like to call also in the business early adopters. Yes, is what we are. So I'm really proud of that. Um, we barely qualify as early adopters, but we do qualify. We made it. Yeah, yeah. we made the cut. Yeah. Anyway, so if you want to listen to this podcast as you are right now, maybe you're doing that on the Anchor app. Um, we could always be found on Spotify, but who knows? Maybe in the coming weeks or months. Maybe some new additions will be added to the Spotify part of our platform. I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with it. But you can listen to it on Anchor, on Spotify, on really any podcasting service that you listen to, except for CastBox, which is what I use. And we still, I don't know what it is. They haven't accepted us yet. That's interesting. It's really sad. But most people listen to us on Anchor anyway, or Spotify, or, or they just click the link when we send it out to our to our church family here at Care Church. I also want to point out that our format has slightly changed in the last week or so. Uh, you probably didn't hear it but maybe you saw it when you read the description of our podcast these last few episodes, or actually not last few, just the last episode. We've added in the description when we will be getting to different parts of each episode. Uh, so we always start off fairly slow just to get warmed up. And then we talk about uh, our week leading up to Sunday. And then we get into the meat of the conversation. We talk about Sunday morning and really the behind the scenes of what it takes to create a Sunday worship experience. If you want to skip this part, even though I think it's the best part, honestly, is it, can I say that? Is our part the best part? You can say that. And I actually think, I mean, we are Care Church. And if you care about us, you will listen to the Before Sunday part. Preach. Preach. Yeah, exactly. But if you want to not care about us and skip this part, <laughs> you, you're more than welcome to. And I'm actually going to give you... It's not, it won't be a link, but it'll be a timestamp, so you can just skip this whole thing and go straight into our conversation about Sunday. So now that we got that out of the way, let's get into the first segment that we always start with, which is our Before Sunday 
segment. Drew, I want to start with you um, and ask, what have you been up to uh, getting ready for Sunday? Let's start with your personal life. What are the things you've been went up to this week? Well, like pretty much everyone else watched the Super Bowl on Sunday, and I decided that I wanted to live tweet the Super Bowl. And I've never live tweeted an event, and all that means is just as I watched it, just whatever I thought, pretty much, I would tweet out to the world. That's dangerous. Yes, it's very dangerous. Actually, what I'm proudest most of this experience is there was only one typo in the 30-plus tweets that I that actually did. That is impressive. Did. And so, as you know, Twitter doesn't have an edit feature, so that typo was out there forever. But at least there's only one. I actually did not know that Twitter doesn't have an edit feature. Yes, that's correct. So and people delete their tweets and then tweet again. You can delete it and, oh, okay. and do another tweet, but you can't actually edit a tweet. And so that's oh, okay. It's always been the case, my understanding of Twitter. But anyway, so I did this and... Just for your enjoyment, here's a few of my random thoughts that were taking place throughout the Super Bowl. One involved the uh, Steve Carell Pepsi commercial, uh, which I enjoyed uh, for one reason because it's Steve Carell. And the second reason is because they basically admit that Coke is better. The whole premise of the commercial is when people order Coke and they're asked, is Pepsi okay? They're, They're just admitting that Coke is better. And so that's why I appreciated that commercial. Yeah, what is hashtag more than okay? Is that the is this one? This is what you're talking about? Yes. Yeah, I didn't. So I barely watched the Super Bowl. So when you say obviously you watched the Super Bowl, actually I don't think as many people watched it this year as maybe previous years. Lots of things. But I saw probably better off than the rest. Those of us who did watch it, I did see that hashtag and I thought the exact same thing. Why would you do that? Like, because that's the line that we hear all the time: is is Pepsi okay? The answer is no, it's not okay. And they're saying, no, guys, give us another chance. It's more than okay. And we're like. Chill, Pepsi. Right. So I I loved it for both of those reasons. And uh, one of my other tweets was also during a commercial. I think I tweeted as much about commercials as I did about the game itself because the game was pretty boring. That's fair. But uh, there was a commercial that involved or featured Tony Harris, who uh, it was a Toyota commercial and they told her story. And she's one of the first women to get a football scholarship to a small college. And as they tell her story, she says, I don't like assumptions. And so my tweet was, I don't like assumptions either. Hashtag Super Bowl 53, hashtag Tony Harris. The, the day goes by, the next day, people, uh, Tony Harris herself liked my tweet, which that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty that's And huge. Toyota did a, a, a moment or a story telling the story of Tony Harris in, in a, on the Twitter platform, and they pulled several tweets from the, from the Twitter sphere into their story, and mine was chosen. And so it was... Uh, I felt good about that. It made the whole experience of live tweeting worth it for me. That is awesome. I've never, I don't think I've ever even been uh, liked by a, a famous individual or anything like that. That's exciting. The joy fades pretty quickly, but at least <laughs> I, I was happy for a minute. <laughs> That's awesome. You want to you want to do your professional now? You want me to go to? You want me to Just talk, talk about talk about you? Yeah. Okay. What I'll, have you been doing? Don't force me, but okay, I will. Things I've been doing this last week. This week started off with the Super Bowl, uh, obviously. We got back from our uh, New Year retreat uh, with the youth group uh, on Sunday afternoon. Uh, But since Monday night, really, to now, my life has kind of revolved around hockey in a good way. Uh, My wife and I, Michaela, went to the Stars, Dallas Stars game on Monday night. Um, It was one of those giveaway nights. So uh, we got there right when the doors opened. We both got this really cool Dr. Pepper-themed bobblehead um, of my favorite player on the Stars, Alexander Radulov. Um, and then the game, which usually, Drew, you know how they, they do the giveaways on nights where the game might not be great? Right. You know, like they don't do a giveaway for the biggest game of the year. They do, okay, we know you don't want to come and watch us play the Coyotes, but please come, we'll give you a bobblehead. So that's what we were expecting. But we got the bobblehead and the game was phenomenal. It was a high scoring four to five just roller coaster of a game, a lot of fun. We'd actually gotten the the tickets as uh, Christmas gifts from some friends, and we were right on the gla- on the glass. And the game was just amazing. And so from that point on, I've just been like, okay, I want to read every you know article that's going on with the stars. Excited about the next game, which is actually tonight. Uh, they're playing again. Getting really pumped for the outdoor classic that starts. Uh, January 1st, 2020, where the NHL comes to uh, the Cotton Bowl, actually, and plays an outdoor game. So anyway, I've just been really pumped about that. Um, And then I also, uh, actually, Drew, you gave me a gift card for Christmas this year. Right. 
And it was for a, it was a PlayStation Network gift card. You know me well that I would use that very right. very quickly. And I bought the newest NHL game. And so I've created my own player. And I'm trying to rise through the ranks of the Ontario Hockey League to get drafted into the NHL so I can eventually play for the Stars. And so on my downtime, I've been really pouring into my uh, alternative, what is it, alternate universe, Jaron Brandt. That's a that's a hockey. So player. when you create yourself in a video game, do you do accurate? Yes. Height, weight, absolutely. Kind of yeah, or, so do you, I'm, or do you dream big? No, no, no. I do accurate, which means I am a twig amongst men. You know, in this game, I'm you know five eight five nine. So my character is five eight five nine. I can't actually make my weight go low enough. The game won't <laughs> let me. So I like, have the same problem. By the way, yeah. I think I can. Anyway, I can't go low enough, and so they're like, no. I think they realize. Dude, if you're making this character and you make him any, you know, lighter, you will die on the ice. And so they, they won't let you. But well, Which um, is the exact opposite of my philosophy. <laughs> Whenever I have created myself in games in the past, I go for the dream big, you know, 6'9", 220, chiseled, uh, whatever sport it is. <laughs> have, you done, have you done this for, I'm guessing, maybe the basketball games? I've done it for basketball in the past and football in the past. And maybe baseball as well. It's been years, but... Uh, but I, I, I dream big. Yeah, my brother and I would love to make characters in, in games. Actually, I remember NBA Live uh, 98 was the game that we played a lot um, when we were younger. And it was the game that actually had, I believe it had Tim Duncan on the front because Tim Duncan was drafted in, I think, 96 or 97. Anyway, so he was huge. And we would make, you know, if if our guy can become seven foot eight, he was seven foot eight, wow. you know? <laughs> and so we just... So basically you're saying I'm like a junior high kid. <laughs> yes. In my approach to video games. Well, okay. we weren't even in junior high at that point. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. 1996, I was, um, no, 98, I was four years old. Oh, wow. So you're at four, year, four years old, you're creating characters no, we, it was a pre- video games. Wow. <laughs> it was a pre-owned game. We got okay. it. Okay. It was not the newest thing. Okay. Uh, okay. But yeah, I did start playing games at a young age because I watched my brother and he would do it. I'd just be like, hey, do that. Okay. We're getting off track, but that's what this is all about. That's all right. It's, it's before Sunday. We're not at Sunday. Yeah, yet. yeah. We're, we, we can do this. We have a long way to go to Sunday. That's right. Drew, what about uh, professionally? What have you been doing in the office to prepare specifically for our worship experience coming up? Well, one big thing that um, hopefully most of us know about is Zach Wilson has started as our worship minister. And this week has been his first week in the office. And mm-hmm. that's been exciting to work with him. He is still in the process of moving. And so uh, he currently currently lives in Fort Worth. And so was not in the office every day, uh, but when he's been here, it's been fun to work with him. Yeah. Over the course of interviewing, uh, I've got to know him pretty well, and he's going to be a great fit uh, for our church, for our staff. And I've just thoroughly enjoyed uh, working with him and getting ready for Sunday with Zach in the office. Absolutely, yeah, it's been it's been really exciting. Uh, the atmosphere in our staff has been really really great because we're just ready to. We've started the year off strong, and this is even a better way to start. And so I'm excited for him to, you know, be able to find a place here in the Richardson area, move to the area, and so we can spend even more time with him. But until then, we'll have him on Sundays, and and uh, he'll be leading us in worship. It's going to be really, really great. And just one one other uh, thing that we've been working on this week is our grace based parenting class and thinking series class uh, are coming to an end. Uh, they they ended last night, and so for the next six weeks, we'll be resuming our midweek meetup. Uh, dessert and devotional approach to those uh, Wednesday evenings. And so we've been getting ready for that. And our theme for these uh, six weeks, these devotional times, is how small groups have made a big difference. Mm. And so we've all been a part of small groups in the past, either at church or just a group of friends or maybe teams that we've been on in our life. And uh, there's all kinds of ways that small groups have made a big difference in our life. And so we're just going to ask people to share stories uh, that tell those experiences of how small groups have made a big difference. Yeah, and this is going back to what we did before Grace-Based Parenting happened, before the Thinking Series, which is a series that I got to be a part of for the last five weeks. If you haven't experienced the midweek meetup at Care Church, really would encourage you to come and be a part of it. It's a smaller group, which actually it would be interesting to, to talk about small groups when really what we're doing every night on Wednesday nights is a, is a form of a small group. Absolutely. But a really powerful experience where people share their stories. We have a meal together. We have dessert together. It's just a, it's a great way to spend uh, a Wednesday evening. So I, I'm excited to get back into that, that routine. So what about you? What have you been doing? Professionally, um, because of the retreat that we just came off of with the, the student ministry, a lot like a, a really good birthday party or a really fun event, I have 
what I like to call, you know, like the post-party blues, you know, the post-retreat blues, where it was such a great weekend. I got to spend so much time with our students and some of the families that make up our student ministry. Like getting back into the day-to-day office stuff, which is valuable, um, has been kind of sad for me because I'm like, man, I just want to, I wish that weekend was was still going. And and some of those students, uh, because of just the, the busy lives and the nature of living in a city like Dallas, it's hard to get everyone together uh, like we did this weekend. And so I'm going to miss uh, spending time with a lot of those uh, teenagers. And so I'm trying to just get back into the groove and take the great things that happened this weekend and apply them to what's going to continue to happen, hopefully for the rest of the year. It's going to sound weird for me to say this, but I'm glad that you're sad. Yeah. Because uh, that means you had a good time, a good experience over the weekend, and it went well. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I appreciate that it was a good time for you. My body is happy that it's over. Uh, my mind is, is sad. Yeah. Because it was, it was just one of those things. We played outside for like five hours straight, which I don't know the last time I ever did that. And your body feels it if you're not used to that type of play. So like my arms hurt, my legs hurt. I mean, I don't... Is this what aging feels like, Drew? It gets worse. Okay. Just the beginning. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, because of that weekend, uh, I've gotten behind on some of my studies. I'm actually, I, did I, I'm not sure if I mentioned in the podcast that I'm taking uh, grad classes, started my you master's. might have, but talk a little bit about it. Yeah, I started a master's program, doing a master's of Christianity and culture through Oklahoma Christian University. It's their first cohort that's going through this program. So I'm excited to be like a trial, uh, be in the trial group for this. And it's been really great, but it's a really strict regimen. Uh, the scheduling, you can't really get off course because you have other people who are with you. They're waiting on you. And so this weekend really got me off track. And so I've been, as you know, I've been trying to just catch up and get back to the place. So I finally did all last week's work. And now tonight I have this week's work to get done. So, but it's good. Um, that's pretty much what I've been up to. And then uh, obviously preparing for this podcast and and what we're about to start talking about actually right now. So Let's get into it. We're going to talk about Sunday. Let's go. Um, we start every uh, this part of our podcast by recapping where we are in this series. Uh, this is we're coming up on the finale of our Loving Others series, and so Drew, talk about where are we? Where are we going into this week? Um, with this being our our conclusion for the series. As we've started 2019, we focused on loving others, which is a part of our mission statement as a church. And uh, this week is our uh, finale for that series which means after this Sunday, we can stop loving others. That's right. That's what I heard. We can just quit and stop and just we're done with that. Uh, but in all seriousness, we're uh, the finale is, is also a springboard into future uh, kind of experiences or different looks and takes on what we're actually doing to love others. And so it's the end of a series, but also the beginning of a year-long uh, journey of uh, learning how to love others, uh, learning how we can do that well here and uh, and so it's a springboard for the rest of the year in, in addition to being the finale of a series. And those that have kept up with the series know that each and every week you've done something on stage and even talked about in this podcast, but what you're going to do with these boxes of faith, uh, these things that we put into uh, these boxes every week, they've actually gotten bigger and bigger. So um, explain what are these boxes about and, and what are, what can we look forward to this Sunday? What what is there another special box that I need to research before I miss? <laughs> I don't know. I was a bit surprised you'd never had seen or heard of a wardrobe box. But the boxes uh, are a way for us to think about the Christian faith as a whole. And so instead of thinking about our faith as a box of beliefs or a collection of, of what we think, uh, we're trying to encourage all of us to think of our faith as, as what we live, uh, how we uh, spend our time. And so it's more of an identity marker, our faith, as opposed to just stuff that we carry around that we believe. So I think that's an important transition for all of us to make and to think about faith as what we live out every day and not just what we ascribe to or the collection of beliefs that we have. And so this week, the the addition to this concept is bubble wrap. Whenever we're moving or carrying things in boxes, there's uh, usually something that we want to make sure doesn't break. And yeah. so we will cover that or wrap that in bubble wrap. And so what we're thinking about this week is what are those non-negotiables in our faith? Uh, what do we actually spend time wrapping in that bubble wrap uh, as a non-negotiable? And the thing about our faith is the more we live, the more time that we go through and actually strengthen and deepen our faith, the temptation it is to have multiple things that are non-negotiable. And so we're going to actually spend some time uh, listening to Mark 3, we'll get to that more in a minute, 
to help us focus in on on what truly is non-negotiable. Yeah, so this week, uh, like you said, it, we're in Mark chapter 3, um, and with the finale, and I, I mentioned that the the theme for this week is thinking small. And we find that in Mark chapter 3, it is Jesus being confronted with people in his own family, uh, his mother and his brothers. Uh, talk a little bit about what, about what this story is going to be about this week. Yeah, this story is about Jesus and family. And when you read the similar teaching or similar story in other Gospels, uh, you don't get a full sense of what's happening. Uh, for instance, in Matthew and Luke, when uh, Jesus is teaching, uh, talking with the group, uh, he gets the word that his family is outside, and he responds and says, who are my mother and brothers? It's it's whoever is doing the will of God. And it, it's always seemed to me kind of a rude response to uh, Jesus' mother and brothers who were there to get him. But Mark 3 gives us more to this story and helps under, understand why this is Jesus' response. And so in Mark, there's this buildup of controversies that has taken place where the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, uh, are upset with Jesus, and so there are people actually trying to silence him, even kill him, and so the word gets around, and so Jesus's family actually comes to take him home, to get him to be quiet, uh, and they actually have the phrase that uh, they think he's out of his mind, he's mm. he's insane, he's gone crazy, and so uh, that makes more sense why Jesus would say, who is my family? It's, it's those of you, as he looks at the people around him, uh, they're listening to him, they're doing God's will. That's who Jesus's family is. Yeah, I'm glad that we're spending time in Mark's version of this story because it, like you said, it does give you a different perspective on the the message that Jesus is trying to communicate because I'm with you. It does seem a little bit harsh when, um, you know, mom and brother come to the crowd and uh, Jesus is like, who are you? Uh, right. It's it is seems a little rude, but th- there's a point he's making. It's a point that we can actually listen to this Sunday and apply it to what our church is focusing on uh, for the rest of this year. What do you think is the the takeaway that you hope people will leave with um, after your message on Sunday and as we move into our breakouts and start to uh, discuss around tables? Obviously, I don't you, you don't want to give everything away, right? You want to uh, you want people to listen to you on Sunday, but what should people be listening for as um, as a takeaway for this week when you bring this message to us? Sure. And I think this is where the the title or phrase, Think Small, kind of helps us. What, what is really happening in this story? What can we take away? What can we watch for? And so one of the reasons that Jesus' family shows up and even the teachers of the law are criticizing Jesus is because they're claiming that the powerful things that he's doing are actually the, the power he has is coming from Satan. And so he responds to this and talks about, uh, he tells stories, parables, and then comes back around and says that it's the power of the Spirit that is doing this through him. And whoever uh, blasphemes the Holy Spirit, is is that's a sin that can't be forgiven. And so this is a challenging teaching that we'll spend time with on Sunday thinking through. So I encourage you to come and, and think through this with us. And, and what is Jesus really saying here? And so as we think small and get to the really heart of the matter, uh, what is non-negotiable about what Jesus is saying here? especially as it relates to the Spirit. And then as he redefines family for us, uh, again, we're, we're encouraged to think small. Uh, the whole time in the story, Jesus uses the term crowd, or, or Mark uses the term crowd to describe what Jesus is doing and experiencing. And then at the end, it says Jesus looks around to that circle, uh, that circle of people that are close to him, that are around him, and says, "These, uh, this is my family. This is my bro- mm-hmm. uh, mother. These are my uh, brothers and sisters. And so as we hear that response, it helps us to think small again. Think about who we're connected to and connected with. And really, uh, I, I guess the best way for us to keep growing, to keep being engaged in our faith and, and living out our faith is to be a part of a small group, uh, a small group of people that really uh, become our uh, family. Exactly. And I like that Jesus uh, defines family for us in this passage explicitly. We throw around the term, I think I even used it earlier in this podcast about uh, the care church family or my, ch- my right. church family at care church. And sometimes that can just become a word that we throw around uh, like a, a group of buddies or friends. Jesus here really defines what family means. And when we say that we are with our church family, our spiritual family, we have almost a way to measure it and to, and to figure out, okay, now wh- what am I saying when I call you my brother or my sister? 
am I saying that me and you were doing the will of God together? And I think that's going to be really powerful for our church to think about as we continue to focus on small groups, not only this week, but for the rest of 2019. Drew, once you're done with the sermon, um, and we'll, we'll probably sing a song or so, we will, as always, break out and go into our breakouts to talk about this passage a little bit further. We always say that we revisit this passage not because we're trying to get more information about it, but we're trying to be transformed by it. So, Drew, I haven't actually talked to you about this before we started recording, but I would love for you to actually go through the questions uh, this week, and I'd love you to ask them, uh, I guess, to me and to our listeners. And uh, as some of you know that I, I love to put these questions together, and Drew and I will go back and forth on the right wording or what we want uh, the people at our tables to experience. And so, Drew, if you would ask, just go down the list and ask the question. I'll, I'll offer any sort of commentary that I have on each one or recommendations that I have uh, for how can we make the conversations at the tables this Sunday the best that they can be. Does that sound like a pretty good plan for you? Absolutely. And so uh, we can just go right in. And so the breakouts are a chance for all of us to go deeper into uh, this story, as you just said, and uh, for the purpose of transformation. And so as we go into our breakouts, the, the break open question is uh, is going to be in five words or less, describe your family. And so I thought we could give it a shot, and how would oh man, how would we use those five words to describe our family? You're gonna start before you you give the five words. Um, I'll, let me say why I wrote this down. Okay. Um, if Jesus' mom or brother were to describe Jesus in this situation, they said Jesus is out of his mind. Four words. Um, and I, I was wondering what, how Jesus would describe his, like his family's telling him that he's out of his mind and Jesus goes, yeah, well, y'all are out of your mind too. You know, or, you know, I was trying to think of this back and forth between uh, siblings and mother and child. And how would we describe our family? Uh, not all of us think that our families are crazy, but some of us do. And so I thought it'd be fun for these breakouts to talk about, okay, in a few words, how would you describe your family? Hopefully it's not out of their mind, but but maybe it is. Yeah, so uh, just for you listeners out there, we had just thought about this here in the moment. We haven't planned our response. So, But I can edit however I want. That's and I true. Can, I that's, can make my response as quick as I want. So that's true. So uh, obviously by the time we get to Sunday, I'll probably have a better response than what I'm about to say. Okay, okay. And so to set up my five words, you often hear, uh, maybe you don't, but I, I've often heard the phrase, the family that say praise together stays together that's right or, yeah yeah or those kind of phrase and so the five How many praise together stays together right that's more yeah. than five words no, but those two, if you say the family it is but right so yeah, i yeah. would say uh my five word phrase that how i describe uh, my wife and i and our two kids is the family that laughs together the family that laughs together is that five yeah that's fine okay and so uh the way i think about laugh is we do try to have fun we try to yeah. have fun together uh, we try to make sure that we are in a place where we can laugh at ourselves. We don't take ourselves too seriously, that uh, giving each other a hard time is a part of uh, yeah. how we go through life together. But just to try to laugh as we go through life is an important thing for us. And so and here in the moment, that's those are the five words I would pick. I haven't had much time to think about this, obviously, but... And uh, this is so bad because this is going to be immortalized, you know, like whatever I say here is is set in stone. Well, if you want, you can edit in your response later. Later. Yeah, later. This is the one that comes to, to my mind, though. Pause for easy, easy editing. <laughs> I would say that my family, my five words would be something like loves even to a fault. Those are those are my five. And that's that's what immediately comes to my mind. You mentioned that when you think of your family, you think of you, your wife, your kids. And I'm thinking about my extended family at this point. So um, my grandparents, my parents, my brother, aunts, uncles, uh, even in-laws. Love them all. Hopefully this also includes Michaela. Yes, that was that's a given. Okay. Drew, one flesh. Come on, I don't even have to mention. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, um, and I think about my family is is always been incredibly loving, but honestly, sometimes it can get to a point, maybe experience this where like the loving is almost too much. Like it's like, okay, we need to have some space that we can miss each other for a little bit and then come back in and love each other really, really well. I've never once doubted in my life that I have a family that loves me and cares for me and will do anything that's best uh, for me. But even so, 
I sometimes just need some space. And so it makes that, that love even, even better. So I always wonder, this is getting too deeper than we probably need to, but I wonder if, um, you know, people in my family don't think that I love them as much as I do, because that's my immediate thought is like, okay, I need some space. Please don't question my love for you. But sometimes this love is like just overbearing sometimes. Right. Neither, so, neither breather at times. Yeah, yeah. I hope that's not too harsh. I'm trying to be... And it might sound that Jaren's family experience is way more spiritual than mine, which may be the case. <laughs> no, that's not what I was... But I'm going to try to advocate as laughter as a spiritual discipline. That That's going to be a series coming up in the future. I was, I was not trying to one-up you, I promise. <laughs> no, I know you weren't. <laughs> no, but that's good. I'm glad we got to talk about that. That's the break open. And obviously afterwards, uh, or not even afterwards, as an alternative, you're able to ask your group... What do you think God wanted you to notice this morning? That's our, it's always there. It's always good to pay attention to the way that the spirit is moving during the worship service and even into our conversations around breakouts. Yeah. And that's a staple for really the whole time together in breakouts. Is, Absolutely. It's paying attention to how God is working and what God is showing each of us as we spend more time around this story. And so as we begin with that question, then there's a chance for the facilitators that will kind of put the the, the point of the of the teaching in their own words, uh, internalize it somehow. But uh, we often hear think big, and it's that's obviously there's there's times and places where we do need to think big. But for today, we're focusing on thinking small and spending time thinking about what is non-negotiable about our faith, what is God's will for us, and how are small groups vital for us in our journey of faith. And, and then we'll spend time listening to the passage, Mark 3, verses mm-hmm. 20 through 35. And then here, this first question, I'll let you talk about it for a second, uh, Jaron, is why do you think Jesus' family thought he was out of his mind? And then what about you? What about us? Uh, discuss the ways you have thought about, you have thought that Jesus was out of his mind. Yeah, so it's interesting in the story, the, the passage that we're reading together, starting in verse 20, mentions that uh, the mom and the brother think that Jesus is out of his mind. And it's after Jesus has called the 12, he's, he's found the 12, and then it says that he goes and he's, Drew, correct me if I'm wrong, like is begins to teach or even share meals. Um, yeah, he goes he goes back into a home, which shows that Jesus spent time in homes. And, and it could be the same home that uh, he was in when Simon's mother-in-law was healed. We don't, we don't, it doesn't specify, but he's back in a home teaching with a crowd again. Either way, it seems inconsequential that Jesus goes from calling 12 people to a home, whatever they're doing there, and mom and brother come and say, hey, we got to take him back. We got to get him out of here. He is out of his mind. Really, that's about all we hear. Um, We can start to connect the dots maybe in different ways. And I think it's gonna be really fun for our tables and our breakouts to talk about why do you think Jesus' family thought he was out of his mind to the point where they were trying to take him back, like get him out of where he was and take him back to a safe place, maybe, or a a home, uh, their home. Right. And so uh, the second part of this question is is really exciting for me. So spend a moment thinking through that with us. And uh, and maybe there's ways that we thought that Jesus was out of his mind. Well, I was actually going to give that to you because this is a, this is something that you added to our breakout discussion. I appreciate you trying to give me credit for this, but this was your addition. So, okay. so I'm going to pass it back to you. You, you were like, Hey, yeah. Why did they think he was out of his mind? But let's not pit ourselves against mom and brother all the time. Right. What, how can we relate to them in a way where we say, yeah, actually, I've been in a point where I've read something in the Bible, I've experienced something in my life, where I thought that, hey, this Jesus guy, what he's asking of us is, it's crazy. Right. And so, yeah, that's, as I thought about the question you asked about Jesus' family, we do often, I think, find ourselves in the story among Jesus' small group or, or friends or followers, which is an appropriate place to find ourselves. But what if we identify with Jesus' family just a bit and and think, and, and think for a minute about the ways that we've been called to do something hard or we've read a hard teaching and, and thought, well, Jesus is out of his mind or, or God God doesn't know what I'm facing or, or just and think through what it must be like to push back against what we're being taught or or being challenged to do. Because that, that's been a part of my journey is there's been times when uh, I, I felt pushed or challenged by God and and uh, to get out of uh, my comfort zone or expand my comfort zone in some ways. And and if we think through that, that can be a way for us to consider how we've grown in the past and how we can grow in the future is the ways that we've pushed back against what, what Jesus is asking us to do. Absolutely. 
All right, so that's the first question. And then the second question is, have you ever experienced conflict between what God expects and what your family expects of you? If so, what was that like? If not, why is that? Yeah, this one's interesting. Uh, I do also want to point this out. I've mentioned this to to those in the office and even to those people who I've, I've been able to talk to on Sunday mornings before our experience. Um, a lot of these questions come from conversations that Drew and I have, conversations that we actually get to have in staff meeting um, with everyone in the office, even further conversations uh, that I can remember taking place in, in my own history, uh, in my past. But then there's also really good resources that we're able to use as well. Um, there's Bloom's uh, Wheel of Taxonomy, which talks about the stages of learning and good questions that go through the entire process. I've used that a lot to create some of my questions. The other resource that I like to use is called the Serendipity Study Bible. I think it's been around for a really long time. Some of, some of the questions are not that great. Uh, they've, they've not aged well, I guess as you could say, but others are, are really timeless and, and really hit to the heart of it. And so sometimes I'll read those questions and it will spark something in me uh, where it's a related question, or in this case, this is almost a direct question from that study Bible that I was really excited about. And it's about when your expectations or your felt expectations from God are in conflict with the expectations that you know you have from your family. This resonated with me because in my own life, I remember in college, uh, my freshman year, I was ready to take my faith very seriously. I had always really, since since an early age, uh, been very interested in, in scripture and in ministry in general. But in college, I was ready. I was going to study the Bible, you know, full time. I was ready to to get going and even to make some big life changes where I could start to live out my faith in bigger ways. But I struggled because when I read the teachings of Jesus, I knew how radical they could be if you followed them to an extreme. Um, and you followed them exactly the way that Jesus followed them, you know, where you don't have a place to lie your head, that when you see someone in need, you take off the clothes from your back and you give them to someone who's naked. Things like that, that, you know, it's easy to donate something to goodwill, but that was, that's difficult. And so, I remember thinking um, in a small group environment, having this discussion about how I would love to give away the majority of my clothes because I'm not a big fashion person. I could wear the same thing every day and I'd be happy. Yeah, maybe people might think that I'm strange, but I can get over that, right? Because I'm convicted of this. However, the majority of my clothes, I did not buy for myself. Uh, My parents bought them for me. Um, They were gifts to me from other people. I was being paid to go, you know, my my college education was being paid for majority from my family. Whatever I didn't get into scholarship, my family had set aside money to pay for me. And so I had this really this really big conflict of what am I allowed to do with my possessions on behalf of God for Jesus if my possessions were a gift from my family. So I had this struggle between almost honoring father and mother and living radical Christianity. I don't mean that to sound, uh, you know, life altering as maybe I'm I'm making it sound in this story. But when I read that question, I go, oh, yes, I know exactly how that feels. And I'm, I'm curious to see if people in our breakout tables will have a similar feeling somewhere in their life, especially those that have grown up in the church for a long time and have thought about um, what it looks like physically, visibly to to follow Jesus. Yeah, I I think there's a lot of ways that could play itself out as we think about our own journeys and how uh, we're indebted maybe to our families in some way. And then we're also indebted to God. And and where do those uh, obligations that we want, you know, whatever sense of responsibility or obligations we feel we have to honor uh, those that have given to us, whether it's family or God, and and where does that where does that come together, and 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 who are we living for, and and, and so anyway, I I think that's a good way to approach this question. The next question, I'm actually just gonna throw it out here to you, Drew, um, is what exactly is God's will uh, in this story? In other words, what must someone do to be welcomed or adopted? into the family of Jesus. We mentioned earlier that uh, Jesus defines family as those that do God's will. I'm sure you're going to touch on this a little bit in your sermon, but uh, how would you possibly respond to this question if you were at one of the tables? Yeah, I think the God's will conversation uh, can get away from uh, us pretty quick. And is if we, I think sometimes we spend too much time trying to find a specific will for our a specific experience in life. 
And I think what this story is about is more, uh, again, thinking small, not trying to figure out everything, but what are the the most important things that we learn from Jesus about God's will? And it gets mm. back to the greatest command. You know, as Jesus will say later on in Mark 12, that we've already spent some time thinking through a few weeks ago, that uh, the greatest command is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so when I think about God's will, I try to keep it small. I try to keep it specific, but not in a specific to me personally, but just what we're all called to do. Uh, There's all kinds of ways that we could love God, love neighbor, but just to make sure that we're doing that. Uh, Another key part of God's will, as we see, is just spend time learning Jesus. And just, I mean, we're the very beginning of Mark and all the Gospels, Jesus says, come follow me. And so... Uh, God's will is that we follow Jesus, that we choose to say our life is going to be a life that follows Jesus. And I I think those are the primary ways I think about God's will and becoming part of Jesus's family is is that we are orienting our life around these great commands. And and the way we do that is to just orient our life around Jesus and, and give it all to him. And so that's that's ultimately what it's about. So that's how I would think about that question. Yeah, I love how this question gives uh, the people at our tables the opportunity to revisit the last few weeks of this series. Uh, This series has gone week after week of diving deeper into what does it look like to love others? What does Jesus teach us about loving others? And so um, if Jesus is, you know, the image of the invisible God, then God's will is going to be very tied into the things that Jesus does. And and it's going to be a great time to to talk about that for sure. So the next question is, what would you say to someone who is afraid they may have blasphemed the Holy Spirit uh, in their past, or maybe even just afraid they're doing it now maybe? And so uh, obviously that's a key part of the story. So what what would you say to someone who's afraid of that? Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. This question I didn't want to ask, but it's almost unavoidable. Um, we're focusing on Mark chapter 3, 20 through 35. So 15 verses, but really what all of Think Small revolves around is the bookends. You know, what happens in the family at the front? What happens with the family at the end? And right in the middle, it's the famous uh, passage about a house divided um, cannot stand. You know, I think we mentioned it in staff meeting and and how um, Meredith, our children's minister, said it reminded her of a a sports analogy. Which made me very proud. Yeah, which I I was like, I watch sports, so that's not what first comes to my mind. The first thing that comes to my mind is, what do you think? Um, uh, Music, video games. No, Abraham Lincoln. Oh. Come on. The way you said it was, you were like, what are you into the most? And so... I had no idea how it related to music or video games, but that's what I said. No, I I remember reading that. And I, I Abraham Lincoln was the first person I ever heard say that. Uh, how, or um, you heard nation. you heard Abraham Lincoln say that? Okay, I read it. <laughs> You're the worst. I couldn't resist. You're the worst. Anyway, it's a really famous passage, um, and it steals really the the limelight from what's happening where we're trying to focus because of how harsh the language is. Whenever Jesus says that there's something that is an eternal sin and that this happens and it cannot be forgiven, your ears perk up uh, greatly. And so I wanted to ask this because this was something that as a teenager, I remember dreading and just being terrified that somewhere in my past, I had blasphemed the Holy Spirit, whatever that means, but I did it on accident and I have been condemned since and I'm just living ignorantly until I die and find, like end up in a warm place, you know. Uh, so, which, which may be the case, <laughs> but not because you've blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Right. <laughs> so anyway, I just really wanted to, I remember having to have this conversation with people in my life. And uh, when I talk about this with teenagers, it'll be very different than when adults talk about it, uh, I, I think. I don't really want to answer this right now, um, but I do want to point out that there's we have to talk about it. Um, we cannot just skip over it and act like it never happened. Uh, Drew, you and I have talked about how are we going to handle this particular passage this week. Uh, share a little bit about some of the things that maybe we talked about, about how, how can we approach these words of Jesus in a constructive manner as we prepare for Sunday. Yeah, I'm going to spend uh, a pretty good portion of time talking about this on Sunday. And so I won't say everything right now. Uh, but a couple things I will say, are, it is important to think about and discuss. And 
and see where we all are on this. Uh, but also, this isn't something that can be, happen accidentally. Uh, and that, that's the one thing I always try to clear up is this is a willful act. It's not anything that, oh, I may have accidentally done this and so I, I can't be forgiven. It's, it's more the case that when God is clearly doing something and you know it's God and you choose to deny that that's God, that's more what this is saying. And so it's a, it's a willful, you know what you're doing when you do it kind of situation, uh, not something that can happen accidentally. And so I always try to say that. But there's a lot more to consider about this, and there's a lot of uh, angles on this that we'll spend some time with on Sunday. Yeah, I'm excited about that conversation. And I think even uh, listening to you talk about and prepare for the sermon, there's going to be some really neat connections with how does this conversation with Jesus actually influence the way that we interact with God's family? And how do we discern God's will um, so that we are in line with the Holy Spirit, not uh, in opposition? to it. Absolutely. The last question, I'll just throw it to you, uh, Jaron. How can we improve the relationships we have within our church family? How can we be better at opening our circle to those who are looking for family? Yeah, we look at this passage, uh, we look at the passage for Sunday every Wednesday morning with our uh, with our staff. And I get to listen to how all the ministers uh, of this church hear a certain passage, and I get to really pay attention to what what sticks out to me in a, in a new way. And what really resonated with me this week on this passage was this uh, the word circle, um, about how at the end when they tell Jesus that his family is looking for him. He looks at those people who are around him. And then again, just as, like a verse later, he references the people around them again. He goes, and the people who are circled around him were the ones that he was he was talking to. And so we talk a lot about uh, my circle, like the people who are in my circle um, and what we're about and, and who's in, who's out. Uh, I even think about, I think it was a T-Mobile, was it, it was a T-Mobile advertising thing about who's in my circle? Probably. Do you know what I'm talking about? And yeah. it was about, it was trying to get people to add lines to the to the family plan pretty much. Right. But who's in my circle? And so I love to think about if we're going to focus on small groups and we want our family to be defined, our groups to be defined by God's will and doing God's will, how can we invest in the families that are defined by that act? We do lots of things to strengthen our biological families. Um, and, and we need to, cause those are really, really important and a gift from God. But what can we do to improve the relationships within our church? Uh, those small groups that are defined by God's will, how can we invest in those more heavily? And obviously we want to talk about our small group ministry at care church when we do this, but I think there's, I think that's just the start. I think it's a vital start, but I think that there are other groups in our life, other circles that we have created outside of the church that, I think we can invite Jesus into that circle. And I think we need to start thinking of ways that that can happen. We want our circle that's defined by God's will not to be closed, but to be open. And and additionally, not only do we want it to be open, but we want Jesus to be at the center. We want him to be able to look around and be surrounded by brothers and sisters who are doing his father's will. And so I, I've, this is going to be really where the rubber meets the road for this conversation is that that last question. I say last, it's last on my list, but again, these conversations can go anywhere the Spirit's leading. Um, we don't want to to micromanage our conversations. We want those things to just happen naturally. But I think this will be one that our groups will, will benefit from from talking about. Right, and that's a perfect, uh, I guess, setup for the, the challenge for the week. Yeah. Uh, as you described the different circles we're part of and uh, whether it's a, a small group of friends at school or work or at play, recreation or at church, um, we're, we're all a part of different small circles. And so, uh, and you challenge us here to uh, think about what role we play in the group and what role Jesus plays in the group. Uh, as we think about our circles and we think about maybe who's in, who's out, not in a way to keep people out, but just who's a part of our circles. Uh, one of the realizations could be that Jesus is actually outside of certain groups. Yeah. And so you uh, challenge us to begin dreaming of ways to invite Jesus into all of our small group experiences. And I think we assume that our small group ministry at church, Jesus is there. Right. And uh, I think he is. But how much more can he be a part of that group if we pay attention to what Jesus is doing with our small groups and not just assume that Jesus is working, but actually watch for the ways Jesus is working through the Spirit? Absolutely. Everything starts with paying attention. 
Uh, I do small groups uh, in some of the public schools here in the Richardson School District. And this is vital for us is pay attention to the role that you play in your group. Not just the group that I come in and I facilitate at these schools, but when they leave that group, leave that classroom, and they're at their their sports team or in their choir or band or hanging out online with friends playing games or, or whatnot, there's a role that you play. And if sometimes you go through life and you have no idea what role you play in those groups. Um, and that's a, I think that's a, um, a scary spot to be in, to just not know what you're doing and where your, what your purpose is in these different places that you are spending the majority of your time. How much scarier is it to not know what role Jesus plays in those, in those groups? And so we really have to focus on that. And that's the challenge is first pay attention, but then let's start make some action plans to say, let's open up our circle and let's get Jesus in the middle of it. And how do we do that? And uh, I think I, I've even written at the bottom of this paper with this challenge If you need encouragement or support or advice on how do I open up my circle, how do I find a group, and if I found the group, how do I make Jesus at the center of it, that's what we're here for. I mean, that's one of the reasons that, you know, Drew and I do this podcast is we're trying to better equip the people of our church to have these conversations, not just with those that are already part of Care Church, but for those who are visiting for the first time, those who don't know Jesus and they, they want to have a conversation about who is this guy. Our church staff and many of our church leaders who aren't on staff are just, just people who are on board with the vision and the mission uh, and the ministry of our church. We're here to help help you navigate those waters. And a small group is a great place to do that. So, Absolutely. Somehow, you know, the, the, the solution to remedying a small group might be another small group. Um, right. But hey, we're thinking small this week. So that's good. Drew, is that about it for us this week? Is there anything else that we need to cover before we... I think we're good. uh, I'm looking forward to Sunday and spending time thinking small. Uh, Next week, we are starting a new series. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, The new series is a play off of how you and each podcast uh, take, take care. Wow. What an honor. Yes. I mean, so what is that going to be about? It's just a quick... Uh, just a, a three-week look at th- uh, the three primary habits that we try to cultivate as a part of this church. And uh, and so uh, we take care of time is the first one. And so we're going to think through how we uh, manage time, how we're stewards of the time that we've been given, and so and how we take care of time. Sounds great. Well, join us next week for uh, the beginning of Take Care. And until then, take care.